Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Let me begin this way. Besides Jesus Christ, which is our Lord and Savior, the most perfect man that has ever walked this earth, our friend, our comforter, our redeemer, propitiation of our sins, the perfect masterpiece of study. There are other individuals in the Bible that have been a very pivotal influence to my personal ministry and relationship with God. And besides Jesus, there are three men, and each of them taught me something in my way and walk with God. One of them was Abraham, our father. We all know that he's a representation of faith. And more than that, for me, he's the epitome of righteousness imputed through faith. You see, it's one thing for us to speak about the doctrine of faith. But it's another for us to understand that that doctrine is approved in the rightness of God. Or righteousness of God. And for me, I learned faith so much through uh, Abraham. More than any man that I've read in scripture. Not that the rest don't. But for me, these seemed pillars in my walk of salvation. And every man has their own preferences. You know, depending on where you see from, the light from which God speaks to you from. So that I mean that if you don't see the way I see, therefore you're wrong. But I think God speaks to us differently. So for me, Abraham, the ministry of faith is an amazing thing. I can teach about faith from Abraham for a year. And I would not get tired. Because there's a lot on that man's life that for me defines faith and righteousness is imputed through faith. And the second fellow is Paul. Paul, the apostle for me, is a very, very, very influential individual in my life. Because Paul introduces us to the new birth. Paul introduces us to the understanding of the new life. He gives us the doctrine of the new covenant. For me, he's the ardent representation of the spirit of revelation. So if I'm talking about revelation, I talk about Paul because this man launched so deep. I mean, he says, and to whom I'm least of all saints was given unto me this grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. It was given to him. It was given to him to preach the unsearchable riches. Do you hear that? Unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches. That's revelation. That's revelation. He says, as a master builder, has given the grace to build the foundation of the gospel. He was a master builder. Paul was a master builder. And so for me, the whole spirit and essence of revelation, the doctrine of the new birth and the new life that we have in Christ. He's so amazing. If you study Paul as a master builder. So if he laid the foundation. 
if God has used Paul to lay the foundation. Look at how far the church and how high the church has gone. You'll understand how much foundation was in that man's life. You'll understand what it means to be a master builder. Look at how high. Because remember, buildings go as high as how they have been stressed in the foundation. As how they've been established in the foundation. Of how they've been buttressed in the foundation. Paul was a master builder. He gave us the foundation of the faith. And he says another man will build there. He warned us how we build, but he laid the foundation. That was so deep. Because as far as we'll ever go in revealing Christ, we all have to touch the foundation that Paul revealed to the church. That man was amazing. But the other fellow whom I prefer to speak about today is David. David taught me about the anointing. He helped me understand how the anointing of the Holy Spirit works. Notwithstanding that there are different men in the Gospels and the prophets and the law who have taught various ideas and concepts concerning the anointing of God and a man. But for me, no man casts it so beautifully like the life and ministry of David on the earth. So there's something about him and the anointing. And tonight, I want to talk to you. I want to share something concerning the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is, we said, of the manifestation of divine strength. Hallelujah. We can't say divine strength when we're not connected to the anointing. We must know how the anointing works. Remember, the Bible says that the yoke shall be broken because of the word of the anointing. See that? The yoke shall be broken by reason of the anointing. The Bible doesn't say that the anointing shall break the yoke. No, but the burden shall be taken away from thy shoulder, the Bible says, and the yoke from all thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed, he says, because of the anointing. You see, there's a difference. If somebody says the anointing will destroy the yoke, is the deliberate direction of the anointing toward that yoke to destroy it. But rather, here, he says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. In other words, the anointing is not looking to the direction of the yoke to break it, but the yoke will break because the anointing exists. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so, it likens to a place where something holds a person. For example, if you got uh, something and tied it around somebody, and this person starts stretching their muscle, and as they're stretching, this thing starts to break off that individual. You see? Yet, the anointing is not stretching to break itself of whatever is holding the individual, no. But rather it is stretching because it's its way to stretch. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the writer here in Isaiah 10, 27 is not talking about just the place of directing the anointing to a particular issue, but rather the place of knowing how to increase in the anointing of the spirit. And as that increase comes, because your primary concern is the anointing and not the issues that are around you, then the yoke is destroyed because of the increasing anointing on a man's life. So remember, we have the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a representation of that anointing. And all of us has been anointed by God to the measure of the person of the Holy Spirit that is resident in all of us who believe fully. But not all of us function in the glory of the fullness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our lives. See? And so when we teach ourselves, when we share, when we learn, these things are written for for your learning, you see? So when we share and learn and understand how it works, then we are able to stir ourselves 
to the direction of what is already available for us for the manifestation and the fulfillment of the purposes of God concerning our lives. If you have understood it, shout amen. So for me, David represents that. David represents the anointing. And today I want to share what the anointing can do. You see? And how to walk in it. How to walk in it. In uh, Psalms, the 89th chapter, the 20th verse, God says, I have found David, my servant. And he says, and with my holy oil have I anointed him. I want you to underline that. With whom my hand also shall be established. He says, with my own hand have I anointed him. And it says, and because of that anointing, my hand shall be established with him because he is anointed of God. You see what the anointing does? It establishes his hand on you. And what does that mean? It means that there's a constant testimony of the hand of God moving or operating on your life mightily. Shout amen. And it says, my arm also shall strengthen him. That means you walk in the strength of God's ability. Verses 22. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. Because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Give me amplified of that. He says the enemy shall not exact from him or do him violence. Or outwit him. Nor shall the wicked afflict and humble him. Did you hear that? When a man is anointed by God, he cannot be defeated by those that oppose him. It's not possible. Somebody shout amen. He cannot let that man to the will of his enemy. He will not let the winds of violence sink you by those who oppose you. Nor any enemy or anybody who has set themselves, he says, they will not outwit you. They will not be smarter than you. You see that? So anybody that sets themselves against the anointed, even if they're the wisest people in the world, they start to become dumb. You see that? Because that's what the anointing does. That means the anointing comes with a certain wisdom. The anointing of God comes with a certain wisdom. I'm not talking about the kind of thing you're born with because in your family, people are smart and they excel and you have relatives who... You know, when the newspapers and stuff like that, or your children are A-grade uh, students, or they're always in the honorary class or something. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the wisdom that comes with the person who has been anointed by God. So he says, your enemy will not outwit you, nor shall the wicked afflict and humble you. Okay, let's continue. And he says, and I will beat down his foes before his face and smite those who hate him. But my faithfulness, he says, and mercy and loving kindness shall be with him. Who? The anointed one. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. Great power, listen, and prosperity shall be conferred upon him. All these things the anointing does. Great power and prosperity shall be conferred upon him. 25 says, I will set his hand in control also on the Mediterranean Sea and his right hand on the rivers of Ephrates with his tributaries. In other words, he puts you in charge of lands. See, he gives you the power 
over lands. Let's continue. In the 26th verse, it says, You shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And it says, And I will make him the firstborn. That means I'll prefer him. The highest of the kings of the earth, I will prefer him. You see, when John the Baptist looks at Jesus Christ, he says, He that cometh is preferred before me, for he was before me. You see that? He's preferred. So God will set you in the firstborn grace of the anointing. And you know what Deuteronomy speaks of the firstborn? That he shall always have a double of a portion of all levels and understandings of the inheritance. That's what the double portion does. So when I'm talking about I'm speaking a double portion anointing on your life. I'm not just talking about the two times of a thing operating on the one that has pronounced the benediction over you. But we're talking about the firstborn inheritance. They receive double portion of all that the father has. In other words, you will always be twice as better as the best. Hallelujah. He says, I'll make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. And that's what gives him precedence above all the kingly graces and realms that are available. He says, my mercy will I keep for him forever. And my covenant shall stand fast and be faithful with him. The faithfulness of God moves with the anointing. And the 29th verse says, his offspring, spiritual or physical, also will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. Somebody shout amen, hallelujah, glory to God. So I find for me that when I studied David from the case point of understanding a man who knew how to walk in the anointing and who for me walked effectively in the anointing of God, for me he's the best I've seen in scripture. And, um, of course, we all read he's a man after God's own heart. And that's true. He's a man who was set with the heart of God. And there are many things that define this heart. But I always used to ask myself this question. How was David able to connect to the anointing of God? To walk and function in the anointing of God like he did? Remember, he's so notable. That he is defined in the lineage as the father of the Christ. See the anointed one. The anointed one. Jesus becomes the son of David. And the son of Abraham. Of faith and of the anointing. And uh, the Bible is clear that in the last days, even in the book of Revelation, the temple that is going to be rebuilt is the temple of David. There's a reason why of all the temples that are rebuilt in the end times, the most important temple that God desires in his heart to build in the end of ages shall be the temple of David. There's something about the anointing. This is the one thing that God has promised from the beginning of time to the end of ages, that it shall continue to increase on the church until the return of Jesus Christ. When God talks about the church coming from one level of glory to another level of glory, when the Bible speaks of how the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former, what is he talking about? The anointing. Have you ever thought about it, that he is talking about the anointing? So every prophecy spoken in Scripture is telling us that every generation should or will move in a higher level of the anointing of God than the generation before. If Christ is not yet back, our children are going to do more than we have done in the mighty name of Jesus. And also his seed shall I establish forever. Somebody shout amen. amen. 
So it's not even about, oh my God, I read about Elijah. Oh, I read about Elisha. Oh, I saw a great anointing on those wonderful men. Oh, I read about John. I read about Paul. I read about Peter. I read about Jesus in the flesh. Oh, what an, no, no, no. I want you to come to the realization that in every new era, God releases a deeper glory. As of whether it is working in your life or it is not, or that you have had a deliberate study of some time and discovered that it's not working in the church as it should, it doesn't take away the fact that somewhere in the world that anointing is available. Somewhere in this realm it's available. And this is the generation that is going to search out these things in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of a king. He says to search out that matter. It is the responsibility of the kingly anointing operating on our lives to be able to search out the matters that are concealed deliberately by God. And again, be very careful when you see something deliberately concealed by God. The Bible speaks of how these things were hidden afore for your glory. You see that? They were hidden afore for your glory. So every time we see a place in God where there's a deliberate hiding or concealment of a thing, it means that it's for the kingly anointing to search out that because if it's available, it will not be understood. It takes a certain grace uh, operating on that person to know how to dig these things out. And note that God implies that by that it's exclusive for only the man that searches, but he is waiting for the heart of the man to be revealed before he exposes the deeper things in him. The Bible says that the Lord hideth himself that our hearts might be revealed. The Lord hideth himself that our hearts may be revealed. He's a God that dwelleth in the secret. He's a God of secret things. I'll give you the hidden things of the treasures of darkness or something like that. You see God always coming through the secret. And the God whom you serve in secret, he says, he shall openly reward you. You see that? So why is he giving you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places? Because he dwells in the secret places. He is in the veiled things. And so apocalypse is the grace to unveil and find what you must find. It's not that he deliberately wants to hide this from humanity, but he tests the heart to give to every man according to his way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So he hideth that he might reveal the hearts of men. Why are we seeking what we are seeking for? Why are we praying for what we are praying for? Why are you applying and serving God in the way that you're serving? Why are you listening to what you're listening now? Why are you serving in the church where you're serving? Why are you walking the way that you are walking in him? You see that? So the eyes of the Lord, Chronicles says, look to and fro. Seeking to show himself strong, God, on behalf of the man whose heart is perfect or blameless toward him. And because Asa dealt with that foolishly, the Bible says that he attracted war upon war. One time I was in a minister's conference and I said something. That there are three levels of authority, spiritual authority. And those levels define the operation of the anointing on an individual. The first realm of authority is what I want to call the generic authority. That authority was given to the church. All of us which are born again have a certain authority. 
All of us who are believers. He says, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall follow them that believe. He says, in my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. He says, and they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They'll raise the dead. They'll cleanse the leper. That is generic. Whether you are an apostle, a prophet, or you're nothing, you have the power in you to heal the sick. You have the power in you to raise a dead man. You have the power in you not to die of a poison or a scorpion sting. That is for all which believe. It's for believers, all right? And then there is an authority or an anointing that works according to the office that God has given you. There's an anointing that comes with the apostolic. There's an anointing that comes with the pastoral. There's an anointing that comes with the prophetic. You know, there are gifts and graces that come with the evangelistic. So that's why when you hear Paul saying, for you know the signs of the apostle were wrought in me. He says, in much patience. In signs, in wonders, and miracles. Those are things that naturally follow the apostolic. It's hard to find a person who moves in the true office of the apostolic. And they don't move in the realm of wonders and miracles and mighty deeds of some sort. They might not be subject to your understanding and definition of signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. But these are the signs of the apostolic. You see? When I began demonstrating power years ago, I did not say, God, teach me to demonstrate power. No, I was in a meeting, and the power of God hits the room, and poop, 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 people start falling who are standing next to me. The first time it happened. But I was just praying, and the power of God hits all of them. And I think, oh, no, it's just normal. They've fallen, and for me, I haven't. And then I shifted to another place, and those fell too. And I shifted to another place, and those all were slain by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've never thought to myself to say, let me do this. It's something that happens on my life. The miraculous is normal because of the apostolic office. The wonders are normal because of the apostolic office. Those are signs. They are around among all them who proclaim the realm and place of the apostolic. Again, today many claim it, but not many are even understand what they're saying. But also, we're patient people. We're very patient people. The apostolic must be patient. It's part of that grace. Anyway, so there's that which comes with a gift or calling on your life. But the third level, the anointing, there's that which comes because of the heart that has learned to seek God the right way. There's that which comes when a man's heart has learned to seek God. God the right way. Again, you see, I'm going back into the place of David, the man after God's own heart. Are you seeing where I'm coming from? Now, that kind of anointing sets you over edges. It sets you over empires. It sets you over nations. It sets you over men. Do you know there are people, for example, in the prophetic realm, do you know there are prophets that can prophesy everything accurately. But when they get to a nation, they can't speak into a nation. They have no power to speak to a destiny of a nation. But they can prophesy on a normal individual, their names, their phone numbers. But when it gets to the responsibility of a nation, they can't. You see? They can prophesy, you know, concerning your age and which day you were born, but they might never be able to break through and see the responsibility of the continent or the world. It might not be able to break through that because 
That's another place. That's another place. You see that? God starts to set you over. Huh? Over. The Bible says of Daniel that he was preferred above the princes of that time. He was preferred above the presidents of that time. So that the king sought to set him over the whole realm. You see that? Oh my goodness. He says, this Daniel was preferred. The sixth chapter of uh, that verse. He says, Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. But what is the one thing you knew Daniel knew how to do? Daniel knew how to seek God. Now, that kind of attention was not working on the life of Daniel because he was simply anointed in the office God has called him to. No, it was a heart that had learned to seek God. Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. I'm opening somebody's eyes to something. Now, the people who are saying, oh, I need to meet the president. Oh, I need to meet this prime minister. Oh, connect me to this individual. Oh, take me to this one. Oh, if I can meet this man. Oh, if I can talk to this individual. Oh, if I can meet the president of America. Oh, if I can connect to this one. You understand? But the Bible speaks of a man which was already preferred above presidents. He was preferred above princes. There was something about him that even the greatest will meditate in the nights to think of where to set him above. So one man is seeking for the attention of the king and there's another man whom the king goes to bed thinking about asking himself, how do I promote this individual? Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you understand this, you will never seek to be attended by greatness. You will seek God. That by the time greatness comes, you didn't seek it. By the time the high and mighty look for you, you did not seek them. It's not pride. It's understanding the true order of the spirit. Kings look for priests. Kings look for prophets. Not the other way around. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because God will cause them to need you. I don't know who I'm talking to. God will cause the highest and greatest in the world to need you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because you have the all-sufficient God. He is living and working in you mightily. You just need to know how to connect to it. Somebody shout amen. amen. So for me, when I look at Daniel, Daniel is a true example. So when you're talking about excellence... He's not just talking about putting things in order. Some people think the excellent spirit means that you put things in order. Oh, that's an excellent ministry. Look at how they put the chairs. Listen. <laughs> when it comes to the way of the spirit, and ministry is not excellent because you see how they put their things right and how they follow a certain order and way of things. No. A ministry is excellent because there is a spirit in them that cannot go out of the beautification of God. You see that? And so what you see as, oh, they're doing certain things excellently. What you call excellent in the world, in your world, is not the definition of excellency according to God. You see? It's God beautifying their craft. It is God beautifying their ministry. It is God beautifying their business. It's God beautifying their way of life. Because remember the Bible says he makes all things beautiful in their own timing. When you know how to work with Kairos, 
the beautification of the spirit comes and it overshadows and overrides anything that would have been out of order. Even the most organized man can appear to be so disorganized if he's without the anointing. Or if he's not walking in the wisdom and beauty of God. You see that? He's the one who makes even that which might not appear beautiful to you appear to be beautiful because the anointing beautifies. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Glory to God. So, Daniel being preferred, Daniel being exalted, that kind of authority was not in the realm of the office that God had called him to. For who was Daniel? See, he was a man of God. Now, that's why when I'm reading the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember that story where whoever does not bow before the king, they shall be thrown into the flame of fire. Do you know they never talked about Daniel at all? Do you know they never discussed Daniel at all? There was something about that man that even if you were to say those who bow, you don't include him. God had hidden him so far from the winds of violence. Oh yes, there's a glory of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in the fire and the fourth man appears with them. And that's a wonderful glory. But don't forget that there is an anointing on a man who is so hid even to be considered that he disregarded the king's order. Daniel was so hid by God. The king one time had to say, the only God you should worship shall be the God of Daniel. I mean, this man had a God on him. He had something on his life that it caused the whole kingdom to bow down to his God. Somebody shout amen. May that happen in your time. I said, may that happen in Jesus' mighty name. Now we're going deeper here. So I studied David. What separated him? What worked in his life as the Lord's anointed? You see that? Now, if you go back to the reading that I first read in Psalms 89, the 20th verse, you see he finds himself a servant, comma, and then the anointing comes through. He says, I found David my servant, pop, pop, with my holy oil have I anointed him. The servant preceded the anointing. You see that? The servant of God preceded the anointing. I'm talking about the service of God that precedes the anointing. Now, what do we mean by being a servant of God? Being a servant of God is to know how to walk in the highest place of God's wisdom in the deepest grace or anointing available. That's true service. To know how to walk in the highest wisdom of God in the deepest place or highest most anointed place revealed, revealed, remember, revealed. That's called service. When you look at the priests in the Old Testament, you remember the tabernacle? They had the outer court, they had the holy place, right? And then they had the holy of holies, isn't it? And the Bible says, and the priests went into the holy of holies to serve. Okay? Somebody say, oh, the priests went there to pray. No. The Bible uses the word service. See, the Holy of Holies was the deepest place of the anointing on the earth. And what you might call either uh, to go in the presence of God, to offer sacrifices for the remission of the sins of the children of Israel, or whatever you will call it. And all of that is true, but the highest form or badge of definition or distinction was service. So the ability to work in the highest place or realm of wisdom in the deepest or 
most anointed realm revealed. That is service. To fulfill the entire purposes of God in the highest realm of God's anointing revealed to you. That is service. Because the anointing is for service. The anointing is not for prestige. The anointing is not for boasting. The anointing is not a show off. It's not irresponsible. When you understand the place of responsibility and service, then you are ready to walk in a deeper place of the anointing. The anointing is available for men to serve, to serve God. When we heal the sick, we're designed by the judgments of God against what's evil and afflicting this individual. And we apply the wisdom of God, as Paul says in Ephesians, to the end, to the intent, that the principalities, the powers of this world might be known, the manifold wisdom of God, as it has been revealed to the church. That is translated in the demonstration of power to the principalities, to the dominions, to the evil spirits of wickedness in this world. When we bring or diffuse the power of God, when we bring the power of God, and place it in a place where it is impossible. Now that's manifold wisdom to the church. That demonstration of wisdom in the place of the anointing or glory revealed. That is service. That is service. So we see David a servant of God on whom he has poured the anointing. If you read anything about David, you'll see every scripture concerning David, the servant precedes the anointing. The servant in David precedes the anointing. That's just the order of the spirit. You see? Solomon was a servant of David, albeit he was a son of David, but he was not ordained as king because he was a son of David. He was ordained as king because he was a servant of David. You see that? When the heart of service is revealed in your spirit, then the anointing is available. A higher place is inviting you. More than just the generic. Now, when I'm talking about that authority, I'm talking about, oh, now because of that, I learned to make the limb walk. Okay, so what was the end of the limb walking? Oh, I learned to open blind eyes. What was the end of the blind eye opening? Because if you don't see that end, then you have not yet understood what it is is serving in you. Somebody shout Hallelujah. You've not yet understood what it is is serving in you. Why are you blessed that way? Why are your finances elevated? Are they just elevated so you will remember where you came from and then you celebrate God because your family was poor? God has finally remembered your family through you? No, that's so myopic. That's so myopic. Whatever is bestowed on us is to change the world. Somebody shout hallelujah. Whatever God has given you is to not just influence your little community and your neighbors. Oh, no, no. The whole nation and the whole world should hear you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I tell people, there's enough space in the spirit realm for all of us to be great in the world. For all of us to be great in the world. And never confuse famous with great. Because you don't need to be famous to be great. Because there are many famous people who are not great. There are many people in the world who are famous for the wrong reason. But greatness is a seed. It is planted by the purposes and will of God. He is great. He does great. He builds in us greatness. Somebody shout hallelujah. He told Abraham, I shall make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Hallelujah. You shall be a blessing. 
But you see, when the name is made great, he becomes a blessing. It's only because the end or the mind of God is that he shall make him a great nation. You see? You're not just great to be great. No. He will make you a great nation and he will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Why are you a blessing? Because your name is great. Why is your name great? Because he wants to make a great nation out of you. Not just, oh, I want to be a great person. No, he says, I shall make a great nation of you. Can you believe that if Christ is not yet back, whatever is coming out of you one day shall be a nation? Not everybody can claim that and not everybody can understand that. But you see, it is possible and it shall be if you know and believe that God is true in what he has spoken. If you know and believe. If you know and believe, the end of every believer is a great nation. The end of every child of God is a great nation. The end of every child of God is a great nation. Never forget that. When I look at my children, I think, hmm, God, how is this going to marry that? And how, how are they going to have this? And how is that going to marry that? And who is going to marry that? And how are they going to marry that? And I see the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And I open my eyes and I see the name of this nation. And all of them can trace their lineage to one guy which was anointed by God. Do you know that God can rub your name off a nation, off the world? He can build your name in the world. All these men we see, Abraham, do you think that when Abraham was told it was going to be a great nation, it was easily conceivable at that point? It wasn't. All he had was Isaac. But look what has happened in 2021 with one Isaac, one fellow. One man like this. When Isaac had his children, Jacob and Esau, he did not perhaps design fully what this would mean, but these became two nations. That's just the way of God. You shall become a great nation in the mighty name of Jesus. Shout hallelujah. So back to the servant. And so the Lord revealed to me that it was his service toward me in what he did in the presence. In the presence. To what he did in the presence. So when you look at the book of Psalms, and then you study the story of David after story. There are words that are spoken in the Psalms. Things that are said by David or of David. And you might not fully understand them until they are all brought together. Because they have a scattering in parts. You hear things like, one thing that I long for, one thing that I yearn for is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, forever beholding his beauty and to inquire in his temple. I was glad when they said to me, come to the house of God. One day in the house of the Lord is better than a thousand in the world. I would rather be a gatekeeper in his courts. You read things and they are a bit scattered because each own comes with its own meaning. He says, in my night watchings, my eyes are lost for sleep. My reins instruct me in the night. I meditate, he says, in the nights of your goodness and your wondrous ways. 
I depart not from thine law until morning I sing and celebrate your goodness. I meditate of you in my night watchings. And all of these things are scattered. But if God gives you the grace to bring all these words together, you will realize one thing that David was a lover of the presence of God. The issue concerning the presence for David was not a routine. He was not praying because Christians ought to pray and not to faint, which is okay. You see, he says men ought to pray always and not to faint. He was not praying because I have to pray. He was not fasting because I have to fast. He was a man who had fallen in love with the presence of God. He was not faked. He was a man who knew how to enjoy the presence of God. Because until you learn to love the presence, you can never serve in the presence. You see that? You can never truly serve. That's why when we see Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, a servant by choice, not arrested, no, by force, but arrested by love. You see that? The revelation of that love causes him to become a bond servant. And when he sees that love come around him, he feels like it's something that it constrains him. It holds him in a certain way. He says, not that I've attained, but I seek that I may apprehend that which Christ apprehended me for. Was apprehension forceful? No, it was an invitation of agape. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. So, David was a lover of the presence of God. Do you know there are people who pray, but there is no love in their prayer? There are people who seek God, but their seeking is toil. Their seeking is labor. You can even see how their bodies react. Anything else is fun except when they start to pray. So you say, let's pray. The first thing that comes to their head of, when shall we finish? Let's watch a movie. Yay. And then they see before you don't throw popcorn in the mouth. You understand? Let's pray. When shall we finish? You understand? Let's go for service. When will service end? You've been around such people. Oh, okay. Uh, me, for me, the reason why I don't want to go to church. Those guys are not serious. They pray for so long. See? Okay, so you want to leave to go and do what? I be having my programs. What? I, I be having my programs. What? They're there. My programs are there. Why do you think I don't have programs? They even make it more personal. But the point is that until... The invitation of God's presence starts to become a love affair. You will never understand the heart of God. And if the heart of God is not revealed, you can never truly serve God. Because it's in the assuming of the responsibility of that service that the anointing is poured. That the anointing is poured. So, whether it's acts of compassion... The things we do in expressing love and feeling for them which are hurt or broken or sick or maimed or distressed or distraught or disadvantaged or disgruntled or diseased. Regardless of whatever we apply in our way and heart and feeling. If it is not in the revelation of the love of God that invites us, then it's just human. It's just normal. Its end is just in the thing we can only do. For those who have that need. But God has invited 
you into a deeper relationship that whoever is placed in your life is not about what you can do in their lives, but rather what God can do in their lives because they came in contact with you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I started to see that the man after God's own heart had cultivated this thing God showed me, taught me many years ago. I think it was my second year university. He taught me to love the presence. He taught me to love the presence. He taught me to enjoy the presence. I can worship the whole night. I can pray the whole night if I want to. I don't struggle. I don't struggle to be with God. Or rather, sometimes it becomes dangerous that sometimes I don't know how to relate with people. Or sometimes I don't know how to relate without when I've dwelt with him for so long. And that should be so. That is why one of the most redeeming experiences of a seeker is solitude. One of the most redeeming experiences of a seeker is solitude. To learn to be alone and be okay. The Bible says in the morning as he was rising a great while before, the Bible says Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place. And there, the Bible says, he prayed. There he prayed. But it was the invitation of the essence of solitude that provides the comfort of the master to seek. God. Some of you can't be alone. In the house, you can't be alone. In the car, you can't be, you just can't be alone. You just say, oh, what if something happens? You understand? You are so insecure walking alone. Some of you, even when you go to sleep at night, you can't sleep in the house alone. Or at least you put the light on as a companion. You see, some say, oh, you know, I can't sleep without light. There's something wrong. Until God teaches you that place of solitude where your biggest fun in the world is when you are alone with him, you'll never understand the responsibility of service toward God. It's not what we do outside us that defines our service toward God. No, that's a result. The real McCoy is what he does in us when we wait on him. That is why he has given you that allegory of what you do in secret, he will reward you publicly. Now, one man is standing on a pulpit and the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and he is under open reward. But some people think he's serving. Yet the true service was in the closet when he shut his door to pray to the Father in secret. He says, he shall reward thee openly. So, sometimes we confuse the rewards of God as the service of God. Yet, they're simply rewards of men which have served. The true service is in the secret place. If you know how to fix your closet, the world will become a reward. Let me say that again. If you know how to shut your door and talk or pray to the God in secret, everything you do outside the world will be a reward. So when you say he's a God who rewards them that diligently seek him, which comes first? The seeker. The seeker is our secret place. But you learn to be a lover of your seeking place. That is why I was saying recently, and I said, some people do not know how to abide in the presence. Because there's a lot of effort and strength dark and demonic 
that seeks to draw you away from that relationship that you so need. Let me tell you this. No man has notable results when they have not learned how to cultivate their secret place. It does not happen. Try it. You'll see that there is no man with results or reward in the world when they have not a very deliberate cultivation in the place, the secret place. We are all a result of what we do when we're not being seen. We're all a result of what we do when we're not being watched. And so it might confuse them who follow to watch you if you are deliberately a seeker of solitude. Because you're not doing to please them. And you're not praying so loud so they can hear you pray. But when you stand on that pulpit, the reward of a praying woman will be shown on your life. The reward of a seeker will be shown. And that's how you know the difference between grace and the law. The man which seeketh under the law has no love affair. It's not a place of enjoyment. It's a place of return. It's a place of force. It's a place of emphasis and strife. But a man which is invited by grace in this revelation, it's a place of rest. You'll get tired not praying than you would if you were praying. That's a man who has understood what it means to be carried by the Spirit of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I met this place about my second year of campus. Never understood it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. One of the most notable things I learned from God in that period was how to find him when I need him to perform. Was how to find him when I need him to perform. Brothers and sisters, there are many people out there that are seeking God day and night, but they do not know how to find him. They do not know how to find him. They cannot find him. The Lord, the Bible says, was always before David. Is that what the Bible says? For, he says, I've set the Lord always before me. Because it's at my right hand and I shall not be moved. The Lord was always before David. He was always before David. There was never a time God wasn't available. Oh, Jesus is in us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so lay hands on that sick person and they're healed. There's one thing for you to have the theory of a thing. It's another for you to have the experience of a thing. I'm talking about the experience of God being with you. When the anointing of God starts in you and is ever present to perform and work in your life. That's why I said demonstrating the power of God sometimes even goes beyond the signs and wonders that are put on me as the apostle of God. Sometimes there are graces that I move in and I feel like this is beyond just the apostolicness of this thing. It's deeper than that. The heart is connected to a certain place in God. There are times people can't shake my hand. There are times people can't sit in my car. There are times people can't enter the room I'm in. And it has happened many times. Even with my wife inclusive. You see that? Because your heart, you must know how to connect to that constant flow of the anointing. Because you never know when the demand is placed upon your life to perform. Because our ministration is not only subject to our consciousness or when we are called upon. Sometimes even in the nights we learn how to minister to people that are beyond our communication. Are we not that epistle known and read by all men? 
So what makes you think that your anointing and ministration is only limited to those who can call you, those who you can lay hands on, and those who text messages you can reply? No, no, no. We're in their dreams in the night ministering to them. Somebody sent a message and said that they had a swelling for some time, and then in a dream they dreamt I was laying hands on them, and when they woke up and checked the swelling, it had disappeared. How? We commend ourselves to the consciences of men speaking the truth. That's our commendation. To the consciences of men in the sight of God. That's the common denominator. God. In the sight of God. Because there's a place that reconciles me in the presence of God enough to minister to even the man which does not know me or have my number. Because I have a commendation in the sight of God toward that individual. You see that? It doesn't mean that sometimes the devil will not attack and try to use our images in the spirit realm. But you see, I mean, Jesus appeared like Beelzebub to a certain individual. Jesus appeared like the prince of demons to a certain individual. That was a misrepresentation of his image in the spirit realm. It can happen. But that doesn't take away the fact that your authority will always be defined clearer. You'll always outlive any effect. Somebody shout hallelujah. David was a lover of the presence of God. And when he learned to love God in the presence, he found true service. He found true service. He found true service. He found true service. Now I want to finish. Every day I feel this thing is increasing on my life. Every day. Every day. I wake up, I feel that I'm launching deeper and deeper in God every day. It's how we measure progress. It's one thing to be anointed of God. It's another to walk in the preservation of that anointing while you observe the increase in that anointing. The increase in that anointing. That is where God wants us. And if you live that life, this is what happens. Every day, your progress will be evident. Every day, something will add on you. Do you know that people who for years have had nothing added on them and they're walking this earth. Some, if they look back in their last 10 years, it was not so immediate. But after 10 years, they can examine their lives and realize they have lost everything. So it went slowly. It departed slowly. But after the 10th year, they have realized they have lost everything. Everything. So not everybody who walks this earth is progressing every morning. Not everybody who walks this earth is added unto every morning. But it's possible for God to load you with benefits daily. He says, blessed be the Lord who loadeth us with benefits. And that's the God of our salvation. I want to pray with you that you will walk in this thing that I've just said. That you will walk in a sweet fellowship with God from today. That something will open up your spirit to a higher level of relationship with God and true service, you're going to see an anointing that will progress you every day. Whether it's wisdom, I see wisdom every day. Whether it's the anointing, I see a deeper realm of the anointing every day. 
whether it's well since about September 2013, the sun has never gone down without a man blessing me. It has never. You see that? Everything of your life will progress. Everything of your life. Your health will spring forth. You'll start to see a daily load of God's grace and glory over your life. Is somebody ready to pray with me? Pray in what you have understood. Pray according to how you're able. Deep in love with you. Abba Father. My heart, it beats for you. It beats for you. Sharaba baba kotala la 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 Jaraba koshetele bro boboze boko shataramandoro bro zakatarapa. Come on, raise your voice. Shabaka brakatere pota. Rakatara boze bro koramande zebekeshete. I'm deep in love. I'm deep in love with you. Abba, Father, I'm deep in love with you, Lord. My heart is beat for you. Precious Jesus, I'm deep in love with you, Lord. I'm deep in love with you. Abba, Father, I'm deep in love with you, Lord. My heart, it beats for you, my precious Jesus. I'm deep in love with you, Lord. I'm deep in love with you. Abba, Father, I'm deep in love with you, Lord. My heart beats for you. Shalala, Rebo Sataba. Shalaba, Baba, Capra, Catala, Rebo Sataba, Shelly. Bracatala, Bala, Rebo Sataba, Shelly, Rebo. 
Come and express your love to God. Oh, I'm deep in love.
of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Night and day doth he meditate therein, day and night. For he shall be like a tree which is planted by the riverside, and he shall bring forth his fruit in his own season. And he said, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. But the Bible says, but it is not so with the wicked and evil of this world, which are like the chaff of the wind blown away. You shall serve the Lord your God and he shall take sickness from the midst of thee. He shall bless your bread and your water. And he said the days of your life shall lie fulfilled. Your young ones shall not cast off, nor be barren in your land. The Bible says, because he has set his love upon me, you say, therefore shall I deliver him, because he has honored me, I shall deliver him, because he has known my name. Makapakata Zaparete Randozobo Zakepratola Randele Sepa Isapayere Koprandele. The Bible says that the Lord knows how to save his anointed, for he is the saving strength of his anointed. Makapatala Randazebo Shata. The Lord is their strength. He is your strength. He is your strength. He is your strength. He is your strength. Makapata rapa, sapakata lapa, rengeteleboze, saranatelebo, kakaprandale. I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous for second. No, their seed begging bread. My seed will not beg. My little seed will not beg. My biological seed will not beg. My spiritual seed will not beg. My message will not beg. Makapatara Zarekeshete Randareza Rikapaye Because I have the bread of life. For he that eateth of him, the Bible says that he shall not hunger. Aha. These are the days. 
These are the days of the latter glory. These are the days of the latter glory. These are the days. He says, remember not the former things. Remember not the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. It shall spring forth. <laughs> it shall not delay. He says, shall ye not know it? He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and I will create rivers in the deserts. Rivers are about to appear in deserts. Ways are about to appear in wildernesses. Sabakai. You're about to do the impossible. You're about to do the incalculable. You're about to do the unexpected. You are about to do the undefined. You're about to go the unexplored ways. You're about to do things that have never been seen or heard or read in human history. This is your time. Lambano it. Get a hold of it. Take it as yours. For all things are possible to him that believeth. Shabakato. Prandakata. Satapaye. Prandelete. Sabakata. Sapranli. Makapaye. Sabakopranli. For I know that the purposes of God are established from everlasting to everlasting. That which he wills, it shall come to pass. And I know the plans that he has toward me. Plans to prosper me. Plans of peace. Plans to give me a hope. That expected end. Sarapote. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you, you shall condemn. He says, this is the heritage of my servants. And their righteousness shall be of me. Makaprando. Sarata. Prakotele. Sarendo Reba. Sarakata. Oh, oh, oh. Sarareleboza. Sereboza. Sayaba. Saraba. Prando Rodo. Sere. Caraba. Saralalaba. Raba Baba. Suribu. Sarababa. Sererebo. Coprakaterebo. Sareba. Duruzaralarebo. Raba Capraca. Sararebo. Saraba. Sababa. Baba Capranda. Raba Baba. Sonobo. Sererebo. Sereba. Yaba. Serebo. He says, when you go through fire, I will be with you. He said, when you go through waters, he says, I will be with you. I will make sure that they will not overflow you. And no 
flame shall kindle upon you. Samako Prandele Bose. Hey, he says, I met the goldsmith. Whatever can harm you cannot harm you now. He says, I have made you a wonder. He says, I have made you a wonder and too many. I'm a wonder. I'm a wonder, I'm a wonder, I'm a wonder, I'm a wonder, glory to God, 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 Shelelebara, Rakata. You're the God of everything, no one like you. I decree and I declare that this year for you shall be a year of peace. Say amen. This year for you shall be a year of divine strength in manifestation. Say amen. amen. That you will walk with strength and win in all your ways in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That the power of God shall be mighty on you and in everything that you shall do, it shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree that your name is going to be mentioned in places that only matter, in places of increase, in places of success, in places of power, in places of influence, in places of glory, in places of promotion, in places of breakthrough. The favor of God is going to encapsulate everything that touches your life. Your family is blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Your finances are going to shoot upward and upward in the mighty name of Jesus. Your going shall be established in the name of Jesus. You shall be strong as the trees and cedars of Lebanon. God says this year, this year shall be greater than all your years combined. In the mighty name of Jesus, you've entered the zone of uncommon favor. Things are about to locate you from the least expected places, from the least expected people, at the least expected times, in the least expected seasons, at the least expected atmospheres. God is going to come through for you. Doors are going to open from every side. The windows of heaven are open for your bread. Revelation will flow out of your spirit more than you can count or even express it. In the name of Jesus, the heart of God is revealed to you. 
This generation is yours. I hear nations calling your name. They are calling you for help. They are calling you for answers. They are calling you for breakthrough. They are calling you for solutions. I see men riding on horses, flying on planes, walking and running, riding in cars, coming to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The earth is shaking and it's pouring out for your direction. The world is shaking and it is pouring out to your favor. He says that now it signifies a time of the shaking of the things that must be shaken. That those things that should remain shall remain. At the end of all these things, you shall not be shaken. When all falls, you shall be standing in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord God is your light, is your shield, is your refuge, is your comforter, is your protector, is your keeper. Did he not say that the sun shall not smite you? It shall not smite you. The sun shall not smite you. He says, I shall be your shed. Karetalapa is the strength of your life, is your salvation. Great days are ahead of you. Great days are ahead of you. I say great days are ahead of you. Even the moon without heat shall not smite you. The thought of fear and danger shall be far from you. Even the thought of it shall be far from you. You shall be the planting of the Lord. Steady and shining in every aspect of your life. The glory of God will not fail you. May the grace on your life speak louder than any language. May the grace on your life speak louder than any tongue or any speech. May it answer your adversary. For God will not hand you over to shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Come on, give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Come on, celebrate God. Celebrate God like you know what he has done. Oh, glory. Hey, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The praise of God is here. And the anointing is going to continue increasing on your life if you do these things. Thank you, Lord. May God bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerokampala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.